Jamaican singer-songwriter Bob Marley died. He was just 36. In July 77, Marley was found to have a malignant melanoma under the nail of a toe, and his health deteriorated as the cancer spread. Marley had the 81 single No Woman No Cry, plus over 10 other top 40 singles. I mean, there is so much to say about Bob. Where do you start? Suffice to say, when you put on some Bob Marley, you just want to keep it playing. Let's listen to it a bit more. Here we go. What a track, Heather Roy. Huh? Yeah, very easy listening, isn't it? Isn't it, Anton? Oh, Bob, you the man. Yeah. Bob Marley there, just 36. Unbelievable, isn't it? 25 away from five. Uh, the panel are in Z National. This has... Uh, really uh, ignited debate yesterday and today. And I want to hear what you think about this, please. And by the way, thank you so much for your responses, panel family. We get a lot of response by email. The panel at rnz.co.nz. You can text 2101. And if you're really busy, uh, and I say um, really um, uh, unfortunate things like um, Santa's not real and that type of stuff. You can just go back and listen to it online, rnz.co.nz forward slash the panel, and you can listen to it there. By the way, Santa, he is real. But to this, almost 100 wealthy New Zealanders have signed an open letter saying they want to pay more tax. The likes of Philip Mills, Sir Ian Taylor. What on earth, you might say, why not just pump it into the art collection or a new helicopter? Donate some. But they say tax funds everything from the teachers who give our children a great start to healthcare professionals on whom we all rely. It's been a big topic. Tax IRD's recent research showed the richest Kiwis paid 8.9% tax on all of their income. Now, of the signatories, who is certainly not short of a bob, in fact, his products, they've been a major international success story is Malcolm Rands, who co-founded EcoStore, now runs the Fairground Foundation. Malcolm Rands, kia ora. Good to have you on the panel. Kia ora, Wallace. Great to be with you. Why did you sign this letter? <clears throat> well, it's funny. Uh, about three or maybe four years ago, this um, invitation came from this German fella internationally asking... <laughs> rich people all around the world to sign an international letter and I thought yeah I, I can believe in that and so I signed it but there's only three of us Kiwis did it which I was a bit appalled actually <laughs> and, and then I was approached about oh, almost six months ago by a bunch of people who were saying let's do this in New Zealand you know I'm sure you know if, if we approach the right people so I've been part of the group since then just reaching out to my mates and Bingo. Um, and the hundred is just the start. There's going to be thousands, I reckon, by the end. So it's really picked up from three people to nearly a hundred. Do you think, Malcolm, that wealthy New Zealanders, perhaps not you, but wealthy Kiwis will flee, live somewhere else if they need to pay more tax? Uh, is that blackmail? I don't know what it is. What do you think? Is that, is that, I mean, is that why you're living in New Zealand? Because you paid slightly 
less tax than Australia or the Bahamas? I mean, is, is what about family? What about buddy, love of country? What about um, culture? I mean, I, I, come on, there's a lot of things to keep people in New Zealand, I think. So you, you, you put it down to one word, and that's fairness, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, because people said to me, oh, well, you know, you want to pay more tax. In fact, um, why don't you just send some more money to the bloody um, IRD? They'd actually send it back, tell the truth. You can't do that. But, um, and and it's it's not like that, you know, like that's philanthropy and, and that's great and, and I'm doing a lot of that already. But my big concern is um, climate emergency coming. You know, we saw what happened with Katrina. We're not prepared for it. It's going to cost us a lot of money, and who's going to pay for that? Okay, well, let's bring in Heather Roy first. Uh, Heather, here you have a person who uh, has uh, wealth uh, of significance. What would you say to this? Yeah, well, I I agree at one level and not at another. Actually, I I think that the type of the way we tax people at the moment isn't the fairest way that we can can tax them. Uh, and I've spoken several times on the panel about my favoured. Uh, way of taxing people would be uh, GST, perhaps slightly higher. For many people, that's all they'd pay, combined with a land tax. And that would catch those who, the wealthier New Zealanders and landowners. Uh, So the more property you owned, the more land tax you would pay. Um, I think that, you know, people can pay more tax any time they wish, and that's called charity, and there's a lot of philanthropy, as um, as Malcolm's just talked about. But I'm much more admiring of somebody like Mark Donayacek, who in Wellington donated $50 million to build a children's ward at Wellington Hospital, than I am for people writing a letter and saying that they would like to pay more tax. What of that? Uh, can I bring that up, Malcolm? Because Stephen Franks, he was on the panel last week, he raised the issue of Mark Donutchek, who gave millions for a children's hospital in Wellington. If I think of uh, any way of wealthy giving money, that's an example. You know, <clears throat> so we're going to... Um, the one that concerns me is I went back to it, and that's why I mentioned um, the climate emergency. You know, that's not philanthropy. You know, people don't donate to buddy, build um, sea walls and, 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 and new roads and make people safer for what's coming. That's not philanthropy. Philanthropy is great and, 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 and the ones that you're talking about are obvious, you know, children's hospitals, it's classic around the world you get that. But I'm talking about our infrastructure. People do not donate money for infrastructure and that's what we need in New Zealand right now. Okay, alright. Uh, Malcolm, stay there. Let's bring Anton Matthews. Uh, oh, kia ora, Malcolm. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I read the letter, uh, or I read the article about the letter, I should say. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I don't have a problem if people want to volunteer to pay more tax. Um, I think, yeah, by all means, if, if there was a way to, um, as Malcolm said, send the ID a bit more money, um, or volunteers send the ID a little bit more uh, little bit more money and not have them send it back, then, yeah, by all means, it's got nothing to do with me. And I personally I personally don't wish to pay any more tax myself, um, but if others want to do that, then that's absolutely fine. It really has it's no skin off my back whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, like I said, if, if people want to contribute to the infrastructure and pay, pay more money and they've got that disposable income, then by all means I think that's pretty admirable. Good on you. Um, if the ID doesn't take it, then I can think of a, an excellent charity uh, yes. that pays for you know, the Lion King, for example, and yeah. uh, I'd be happy to catch you later on, Malcolm, if you want to contribute uh, to that. Cocoa. No, good on you, mate. Well done.
There you go, Malcolm. There's uh, yeah, Kia ora, uh, Anton for for that uh, because it it's a, it's why I guess why people are talking about it, Malcolm. It kind of runs against the psychology. Uh, you know, when you're wealthy, uh, there might be a tendency, or we think, to um, hide wealth, put it in free ports, put it into an art collection, uh, put it into something of your own, not ask to pay more tax. It kind of seems to run against the grain. Yeah, it depends what you're looking at. I mean, I, I I would not be so bold as to pay more tax if the other people in the same way for me wouldn't. You know, I'm not that big mm. hearted a person. You know, I, I think the fair thing is I'd like us all to do it. And I definitely don't want middle New Zealand to pay any more tax. In fact, I'd like to give them less tax to middle New Zealand because they are suffering. I'm just thinking, you know, I've just got a spare few bob and I don't need another painting. I'm running out of walls, you know. <laughs> I... And, I think and, Auckland and, Council would love you to buy them a seawall. <laughs> yeah, it's just not. It's not. It's. It's some things government do well, and that, and infrastructure and and medicine and education they do well, and 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 I'd want to support them to do it well. I I I think what you're trying to say between the lines is that all very well um, giving millions to a certain, but that's a drop in the bucket if you get maybe thousands of high net wealth New Zealanders raise their tax? I mean, if you look at what happens in Europe, Scandinavia, um, very rich countries, people flourishing there, if we paid the tax rate that they're paying, we'd have another $30 billion a year flowing into New Zealand to make it a wonderful country. You know, It's, it's not as though we've got a high tax company at the moment. We don't. Okay, so can I ask you, what sort of a tax would you advocate for? Would we advocate for a capital gains tax you know, on your property, I, Malcolm? I, I want to stay away from this question, because I, the more I've got into this, the more I know that I am not an expert. It's fiendishly um, complicated. Um, there's pros and cons of everything, so really I would be wanting um, some outrageously smart people to come up with a great scheme and then then a politician, political parties grab that scheme and take it to election and, and everyone vote on it. Good on you, Malcolm. Thank you for being with the panel this afternoon. I do appreciate it. That is uh, Malcolm Rasner. He is the person who founded uh, a company called EcoStore, which has been highly successful in many territories around the world now, including uh, many cities in the US. He runs the Fairground Foundation. He says, hey, I want to pay more tax. What do you think? 2101. 15 away from five, you are on the panel on RNZ National. Lovely to have your company today. Australia is to heavily regulate vaping and made pharmacy only under new rules. Non-prescription vapes will be banned from importation and will only be sold in pharmacies and pharmaceutical-like packaging. Certain flavours, colours and other ingredients to be banned. New Zealand is not following suit. Latest data here shows a higher proportion of Year 10 students vape daily than adults. Now, we had last week Professor Simon Chapman, he's the Emeritus Professor of Public Health in Sydney, he tended to support this heavy regulation, uh, the way that Australia is going. But an anti-smoking group in Aotearoa, they do not support this sort of a ban on vaping. And with us is Ben Udon, who is the director of ASH, Action for Smoke-Free 2025. Kia ora, Ben. 
In fact, you say that Australia's stance is a gift for the tobacco industry. Yeah, because the situation in Australia is that they've essentially said we're going to ban the recreational use of, of vapes, but at the same time, it's leaving cigarettes on sale absolutely everywhere, into the petrol stations, supermarkets, all, all over the place. And so it's creating a situation where by all those Australians who've quit smoking and are using vapes to manage their nicotine withdrawal are going to either have to try and navigate a health system and get them through doctors who aren't necessarily going to prescribe them or do the easy thing, which is relapse back to back to smoking. So I think it's really got it the wrong way around in terms of massively restricting access to the least harmful form of nicotine that people are using whilst leaving cigarettes absolutely everywhere. So what are you saying? You are saying that possibly in Australia, if you can't get hold of your vapes and you are a smoker, then you might possibly, quite possibly, uh, go back to the fags. Well, I think it will be very likely for, for a lot of people. So, I mean, nicotine is very addictive, particularly in, in cigarettes. But there's nicotine in uh, vaping as well, isn't there? Yeah, and, and that's why they've been so successful for a lot of people who transition to them from, from smoking. And really what's worked very well here in terms of actually seeing reductions in our smoking rates for, for adult smokers is that there's been very low barriers of entry because people can buy vapes where they buy their cigarettes and they're, they're cheaper. And so that nudge to move away from the most harmful thing is, is, is there and it's easy to do. Now, that's going to completely disappear in, in Australia and you know, we often talk to people who are who are dependent on cigarettes. You know, don't necessarily make rational decisions, spending thirty dollars on a pack of twenty, or trying to get to the petrol station in the night to try and get them to, to manage their withdrawal. Um, Australia's going to leave a lot of people who are going to be really struggling, and, and cigarettes are going to be the easy way for them to to access and, and manage. Okay, all right. Let's bring on our panel. See what they uh, think about this. Uh, Anton Matthews. Um, yeah, kia ora. I, I read your opinion piece. Um, I think well, my own observation has kind of led me to believe that there's a, sort of massive numbers of people who never ever would have taken up smoking, in my opinion, but have taken up vaping, especially our rangatahi. Would, would you agree with that um, observation? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I, I would agree with that, that we've definitely seen a, a take up of rangatahi and young people, particularly girls, Māori girls. And yeah, so what's the if, 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 yeah, because that's certainly what I recognise. No, sorry, I sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, like, I, I just think that um, yeah, that there's a number, there's huge numbers of people that are taking up vaping that I don't think ever would have taken up smoking. And so, you know, I, I guess my question is, if better regulation of vaping isn't the answer in your point of view, then how do we, how do we, uh, you know, reduce the prevalence of vaping amongst rangatahi? Then, in your opinion. It's not that we don't need better regulation. It's that we don't need to go to the extremes of, of the Australians. Uh, I think what we did wrong here was we left it far, far too late to bring in any regulations about vapes. It's actually only been since late 2021 that we had anything that was the governing vapes at all. And the rapid rise in young people vaping and people who had never smoked vaping happened during a time where New Zealand was pretty much doing nothing to control what was going on with vaping, despite many of us campaigning for many years for, for something to actually kind of set some standards as to, to how the vape market needed to look. And the challenge we've got now is that we've seen it being really disruptive to, to smoking, but it's, you know, the, the 
genies out of a lamp when it comes to young people. So how do we how do we resolve that? Banning them's not gonna not gonna resolve that, unfortunately. It's got to be much more about how do we um, understand what's going on with young people. So we support those who may be having nicotine dependence to manage that and to come off the vapes. How we build much better understanding and resilience about the kids who aren't vaping around not starting in the first place and strengthen the restrictions around access. So okay. 21 hours of cigarettes and also getting rid of things like disposables, which are five bucks, dead easy to buy and dead easy to hide for young people. I think Australia's going to be doing that, actually. Uh, Heather Roy. Yeah, Kira Ben, I really enjoyed your opinion piece. Thank you for that. And I, you know, you raised some really sound pieces. And look, uh, um, prohibition or a, a really hard regulation is never the answer, in my view. You do have to be very careful what you're sure. And I look, look in New Zealand to the absolute disaster of banning BZP, which happened when I was at Parliament, only to have it replaced by synthetic cannabis, which has been absolutely disastrous for for many people's lives. Um, the thing with vaping that I'm not sure of is what the long-term effects are, and maybe it hasn't been around long enough yet for us to know the answer to that question. But um, I, I, you know, the thing that really resonated to me and with me about your article was the fact that you know it's been a very effective weaner off tobacco for a, a large number of New Zealand smokers, and a, a lot fewer younger. Um, New Zealanders, particularly young Māori women, uh, have not smoked. Now, yes, they may be vaping. If it's not as harmful, does that matter so much? Well, it, it's definitely not as harmful as, as smoking, and I think mm. we're pretty confident around that. We've, we've got about 15 years of data now. In fact, actually, the first uh, the first data looking at the relative safety of e-cigarettes was done in Christchurch 15 years ago. I mean, New Zealand was right there at the front testing these, these products before anybody else was um in that 15 years that they've, they've been around we, we've not started to see any adverse health effects from continuous use yet so it's not looking like there would be anything near the levels of, of harms of continuous use from from smoking um and um even with the um, safe setting up uh, adverse reactions reporting there's been no real trends or significant data in terms of adverse reactions as, okay. as, as well. Ben, we uh, will have to uh, leave that there right now, but thank you very much for uh, explaining that. I appreciate your time today. That's Ben Udam, the Director of ASH, Action for Smoke Free 2025. We do get a, a lot of response on that exact issue when we talk about this. Just noting the Ministry of Health website says that and I quote, vaping is much less harmful than smoking. That's the quote from the Ministry of Health website. It's eight away from five of the panel. And in a completely different topic, the Hutt City Council is actively, decisively to control, acting decisively rather, to control cats after the banded dotrel in population Eastbourne has really suffered. Cats will have to be microchipped and sexed. Out of 78 local authorities nationwide, at least 26 have introduced bylaws to control the cats. I thought, oh, let's talk about this on the panel. Uh, with us is Hutt City Councillor Simon Edwards. Kia ora, Simon. Kia ora, Wallace. How's it going? Good. Thank you very much. The dissexing of cats. Uh, the vote was unanimous. There was no hesitation on this, Simon? Well, I'm going to have to correct you actually a little bit, Wallace, because what the vote was unanimous, but what we've, we've done is ask our officers to come back to us 
uh, in time for the next annual plan debate, which is only a month or two away, and yes. certainly for our long-term plan on if we did proceed with a compulsory desexing and microchipping of cats, uh, how would we do it, what would it cost? But the intention, certainly, certainly in my mind, and uh, those councillors who were on the policy and finance committee was to get on with us. How's it gone down, the desexing of the population? How's it gone down with the constituents? Well, uh, we only made this, uh, had this debate a, a day or two ago, so we haven't had a lot of feedback. But, uh, I mean, cost of living weighs on people's fines, and it, it does cost 50 bucks, I guess, once you pay vet fees to, to microchip your cat and, uh, you know, three or four times that to, to desex it. But I, I think if you love your cat and you love our native birds, um, it's really something we've got to get on with. Let's get around the panel. Stay there, Simon. Anton. Um, yeah, look, I think it's well intended. I think um, I personally don't have a cat, and I think people probably love their cats more than they love the, you know, our native species. I mean, I think one of the things is that because cats aren't killing birds inside of our homes, it's easy for us to ignore what they might be doing out there. Um, either that or we live in denial that, you know, yes. that it happened. Or perhaps we pretend that, you know, we acknowledge that actually cats do kill our native birds, but... Perhaps my cat's the exception to the rule. Um, so while I think it's, which I think is probably not right, um, but if, you know, what's well intended, I, I suspect that the only thing that will stop it is less cats. And um, we anthropomorphise our cats and we give them nice names and I suspect that's not something that New Zealand's prepared to do. Stay there, Simon, Heather. Yes, I think well, I can see the sense in desexing cats. Um, microchipping, well, it didn't exactly stop the vicious uh, dog attacks on small children uh, and that was very contentious when it went through Parliament. Um, I, you know, I, I'm absolutely supportive of doing what we can for our native birds, and cats are terrible on them. And look, when are we going to actually apologise to Gareth Morgan? He was right all along. He got a. What do you think about? Can I bring you in? Someone who was on that uh, thoughts on Gareth Morgan. He was put through the ringer, wasn't he? On his. Well, he, st- he might have been onto something. Uh, what, what I'd say to Heather about microchipping is it, it, it provides a tool to our officers and um, you know the community groups that we, we might work with on what are what are cats that are loved and what are, what are the strays bordering on the you know the the, the wild ones because at the moment our officers. We haven't got legislation that allows them to capture those cats and do something with them. But uh, if if we we can micro, if we, their cats are microchipped, we've got wands. We can find out whether well, a we can return them to owners when they're lost, and we can start to sort out on which are loved cats and which are those that are you know, semi wild and are dining out on our. Um, but in order, in order to do that, you're going to have to have a cat registration uh, process and fees like you do for dogs. Otherwise, how will you know what's, whose cat yeah. it is that you've caught? Well, exactly. That's, that's the intention. Exactly. So you, 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 only have, you are going to have registration fees for cats? That's what I'd like to see. And I know there's a petition before the Environment Select Committee in Parliament uh, right now also calling for legislation that will make um, uh, microchipping and desexing of cats compulsory. Nonetheless, uh, I think the... Uh, uh, the cat's out of the bag, isn't it? I wasn't going to use that pun, but uh, the cat is out of the bag in terms of this. People are waking up. <laughs> Thank you. People are waking up, aren't they, Simon, to the fact that um, um, cats in this country, except theirs, um, mm. uh, have a big impact on the natural environment. Look, they're apex predators. We've got these banded dottles out in Eastbourne. Um, yeah. They're just being decimated. The, uh, the last three or four years, 
uh, the, the the dozen or so chicks that that have been hatched. Uh, you know, just one or two of them left, if not completely wiped out. Um, and yet, oh. our officers can't touch those cats that are that are doing it. Do you know what I'm going to do, Simon? Big, big pardon, what? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give do? Gareth Morgan a call. I think you should. And see I what he's up to. Should, Wallace. <laughs> Bring him on the panel. Lovely to have you on the programme. That's Hutt City Councillor Simon Edwards there. Uh, well, it's been absolutely wonderful. A uh, lot of response regarding the wealthy. A lot of people say, just donate your money, mate. Others mm. say, uh, here's another one. Full respect to the financially wealthy, encouraging higher tax for the well-off. I'm on a low income and still paying off a mortgage, but because of personal circumstances, able to assist a few others, admittedly on a modest level. So encouraging to hear of wealthy people with a social concern and willing to restore the Kiwi giving rather than getting. Thank you for that. And to our wonderful panellists this afternoon, it's been so good to connect back with both of you. Kia ora, Anton. I haven't seen you for a while, so I hope you're back soon. And uh, also to you, Heather. Heather Roy, Anton Matthews, back tomorrow. See you then.